I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Are you a lifelong fan of General Hospital? Are you a new fan who wants to know more about the history of the show? Do you enjoy talking about the show with others? Do you find yourself yelling at the TV? Is your self-care an hour a day in Port Charles? If so, we invite you to join hosts Amanda Kimmel and Shannon Coach at the place where all the hidden conversations take place and secrets are revealed. Meet us at Pier 54, a General Hospital fan podcast. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the Port Charles 411. We're continuing the quarter main residences. Well, I guess we only started with the gatehouse. Gatehouse, yeah. At Kimberly's request. And then I think halfway through it, we're like, we should do the mansion sometime. Well, sometime is now. I can't wait to hear how they explain all the different renovations that have taken place. It's interesting. So we are using the generalhospitalfandom.com. We're also using the travel guide to Port Charles. And there is going to be one little teeny tiny part out of the general hospital scrapbook. And then next week, we are going to talk about all the little additional dwellings that are around the house, minus the gatehouse, because then they're done that. Yeah. And then the following week, we're going to talk about the staff. That's going to be fun. I cannot wait for that one. I was I was very happy to break that down. <laughs> so starting with the Quartermain Mansion, it is the home of the wealth- wealthy Quartermain family, it also features living quarters for several members of extended family in Port Charles. The early history is the mansion was first introduced in 1977 when Alan Quartermain purchased it for his wife, Monica, after their wedding. As a result, Monica often reminds the family that it is her house, which has been known, which she has been known to throw them out of. Shortly after settling in, Alan's parents, Edward and Lila Quartermain, joined him in moving into the mansion along with her, his sister, Tracy. While pregnant, Monica was injured falling down the stairs in the Quartermain mansion and is forced to spend the remainder of her pregnancy on bed rest. During a severe snowstorm, she is visited by co-worker Leslie Weber and her foster mother, Gail Baldwin. Um, So Leslie wasn't just a co-worker. She was like a rival at that point. Right. And if you need that story, I believe that is in Monica's (laughs) Lovers. 
The three women end up stranded when Monica goes into labor and Leslie helps deliver Alan and Monica's son, AJ Quartermain. Again, they thought the, that AJ was Rick's, a.k.a. Leslie's husband's. Oops. So she delivered the baby that she thought was her husband's with another woman. Yep. Yeah. However, a delirious Monica revealed she believed that the infant was actually the son of Leslie's husband, Rick Weber. That's right. I'm sorry. That's when she found right. out. Thanks for delivering this baby. By the way, it might be her husband's. Yeah. Not what you want to hear. You want to talk about this part? Because I bring it up all the time, so you get to talk about it. <laughs> I don't know why. I love it. You just <laughs> loved it. In 1980, Rick and Monica were nearly crushed to death when the attic roof collapsed on them. They were later saved by Alan, who set the trap himself after he discovered Monica and Rick having an affair. And he'd also followed them and tried to blow them up. I don't know. It was just Alan. <laughs> she just really likes evil Alan. And then in 1983, Jimmy Lee Holt arrived in Port Charles, spitefully announcing that he was Edward Quartermain's illegitimate son. Unable to deny this sordid truth, Edward was forced to accept that he had sired a child with his past mistress. Jimmy Lee teamed up with Alan Quartermain's mistress, Susan Moore, when Crane Tolliver revealed he was still legally married to Lila Quartermain. Crane gave his unsigned divorce papers to Jimmy Lee on his deathbed, and Jimmy Lee used them to his advantage by moving into the Quartermain property and into the Quartermain gatehouse. Onto the Quartermain property, sorry. And we had and, done an entirely separate... Yes. And then in March 1983, Edward and Lila remarried at the mansion. After Susan was found murdered in her cottage, Alan attempted to move his son Jason Quartermain into the mansion. However, Monica was so outraged, she threatened to move into the gatehouse as she didn't want Alan's illegitimate child on the property. It's really funny that she's like, oh, um, I'm not sure that this baby's yours. But then whenever he has a child that's not hers, she's like, no, it cannot live in our house. It's not happening. Right. So Jason then stayed in the gatehouse with Jimmy Lee, and they were later joined by Heather Weber, who teamed with Jimmy to try and gain custody of baby Jason and, of course, the six-figure trust fund. I We've said it, like, multiple times over the past couple weeks as we're doing these things, and it still blows my mind. Like, I can't take care of my baby. You know who yeah. should? Heather Weber. Right. <laughs> and this, I mean, this was before she was the Heather that we know now, but she was still always a little... She was always cray. She's always cray. Not the person I'd pick to take care of my children. No. But I don't think we knew that yet. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, I can't forget what I know, so... <laughs> I just can't. I'm sorry. I can't forget what I know. I can't forget what I know when I'm reading this. I forget stuff I know all the time. Not when it comes to evil people like this. Their plan was thwarted when Monica finally allowed Jason to live up at the mansion. Jimmy Lee's mother, Beatrice Lasore, overdosed on Lila's heart medicine, thanks to Edward. And Jimmy Lee got $20 million in exchange for his silence, which you said last week. It was about like 61 yeah. Ridiculous. Secure. And like 80 cents. There was there was a yes, whole number yes, in there. That was great. There was a there was a change in there too. Um securing the home for himself at the gatehouse. Jimmy would later invite Celia Quartermain and Grant Putman to live with him as well. How many people were trying to fit in these little houses? Celia would end up leaving Grant and marrying Jimmy. However, this was short lived as they divorced and she left town just a few years later. In 1985, Monica and Sean Donnelly started having an affair and plotted to bleed the Quartermains of their fortune. <laughs> I love how, like, 
oh, you say Sean Donnelly. And then you're like, yeah, they're trying to steal the quarterback. Well, do you remember fortune. when we did the 411 on I him? And Sean. I was like, I didn't know he was this bad. I love Sean. I didn't know that much about him. See, uh, you can't forget what you didn't know. <laughs> I don't remember what you didn't know. Sure. <laughs> Uh, Sean leaked word of a fake merger between Donnelly Enterprises and the Cassidines. Jimmy Lee decided to sell the EOQ stock and invest all the proceeds. Despite warnings from a guilt-ridden Monica, the Quartermains went bankrupt. Derek Barrington bought the mansion and the Quartermains had to rent rooms above Kelly's Diner. With the help of the family housekeeper, Stella Fields, Lila is able to build the Quartermains fortune back with her new business called Pickle Lila. In 1986, Derek Barrington moved into Nebraska with his new bride, Lorena Sharp Barrington, and the Quartermains bought back the mansion they called home. In December 1988, Sean Donnelly and Tiffany Hill marry in the Quartermain mansion <laughs> among friends and family. <laughs> Don't mind that affair that steal- I had with your husband. And tried to steal all your money. Oh, yeah, and bankrupted you. Do you mind if we use your living room? It's such a pretty property. Oh, my gosh. Ridiculous. And then in... October 1989, Lucy Coe thought she was meeting Alan at the Quartermain Boathouse for a secret assignment, but she was met by escaped convict Victor Jerome. I feel like I kind of want to ignore all of this because I feel like it's going to be covered by the boathouse, so we're going to skip it. Okay. But then Alan began an affair with Lucy, who wanted him to leave Monica for her. Alan wanted Monica's daughter, Dawn, to move into the mansion, which would please Monica, So Lucy exposed her affair with Alan to Monica in the local newspapers. And we talked about this with the Alan 12-part series. I I really hope it was 12 parts because I always (laughs) say it was 12 parts. And I actually don't know. (laughs) Alan married Lucy in a lavish ceremony at the Quartermain Mansion to end the scandal she had caused. Lucy especially received special recognition for her red wedding gown. Yep. It was gorgeous. And that hat. Oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh. That hat. Alan eventually learned of the affair at the spa between Ned Ashton, his nephew, and Monica, his wife, right when Lucy announced that she was pregnant. But Tracy manipulated the real father, Scott Baldwin, into telling Alan the truth, and Alan threw Lucy out of the mansion. Yeah. So then in February of 1990, the mansion received its first major renovation, changing the architecture style to Georgian or 18th century. The living room was updated with a Chinese red and ivory trim. It was also moved from the left side of the entryway to the right side of the staircase. And it was during the renovation that Lila takes a bad spill and is paralyzed. She opts not to have surgery and therefore uses a motorized wheelchair for the remainder of her life. I did not realize that that's what put her in the wheelchair. Yeah. I didn't know that they gave that a full story on, because obviously the actress. Right. Needed to be in one. Yeah. Good job writing it into the storyline. I know. Sometimes they're good and sometimes not so much. Yeah. (laughs) That summer, Ned Ashton and Dawn Winthrop hold their wedding in the mansion. However, when it was discovered, Ned slept with Monica, who was Don's mother, ew. Don left Ned at the wedding reception with Decker Moss. Ned eventually took residence in the Quartermain gatehouse with his mother, Tracy. Larry Ashton, Ned's father, also joined them for a short time until Tracy kicked Ashton out. 
And then in May 1991, an earthquake hit Port Charles and nearly destroyed the mansion, which caused for another renovation. It was then restored to its former look with the living room returning. I love this. We just changed where I'm at. With the living room returning to the left side of the entryway. Months later, Tracy holds her wedding ceremony to Paul Hornsby at the mansion, although Paul has already taken an interest in Jenny Eckert, who was married to Tracy's son, Ned. During a storm in 1992, oh, took, took, I can't talk, (laughs) who was married to Tracy's son, Ned. During a storm in 1992, Tracy goes into labor while trapped with Jenny at the gatehouse, she gives birth to her son, Dylan Quartermain, at General Hospital. And just a real quick little uh, side note from the scrapbook. Under storyline stuff on page 272, Anna Lee, who portrays Lila Quartermain, said that her favorite storyline was when she concocted my million-dollar recipe for relish, Pickalila. What tickled me about it is that I've never been much of a cook, though I do like to make Yorkshire pudding and trifle. So sweet. I know. I miss Lila. Oh, sorry. There's more. After Paul, Jenny, Tracy, and Dylan left town, Ned was left with the gatehouse. He later had the downstairs double as the office of L&B Records when Lois Cirillo moved in. In 1994, after Catherine Bell was mysteriously poisoned and fell down the flight of stairs in the mansion, all of the Quartermains were suspects. Catherine had managed to blackmail Ned into marrying her, and the marriage was short-lived when Ned's other wife, Lois, popped out of the cake at Catherine's birthday party that was so good at the Outback, making his and Catherine's marriage void. Catherine thought that she had the leverage to stay a Quartermain when the Quartermain's butler, Reginald, oh, so good, poisoned her, although the Quartermains never revealed the information to anyone else, and A.J. Quartermain made it appear that she had poisoned herself. Sorry, Catherine. I want to do an entire deep dive on how many times has the Quartermain clan as a whole been the suspect? <laughs> like, it's not even a question of did it right, is which. Right, it's just which one did they work right. together? Who knows? Right. Then in 1995, A.J. Quartermain gets into a fight with his family while drunk and takes off. Jason Quartermain chases after AJ and tries to stop him from taking Ned's new car. But when AJ refuses, Jason hops in with him and the two end up crashing on the property just outside the gatehouse. Jason was left with permanent brain damage. And there was something that I read in the travel guide. It just says that just down the road from the entrance is a tree stump. All that remains of a once stately old oak before it was uprooted and mulched for the grave offense of existing the tree that once stood is partly responsible for turning the former former golden boy Jason Quartermain into Dark Knight Jason Morgan. Yes, him again. You'll read of Jason's you'll read Jason's name from time to time because the man is a lightning rod for disaster, which makes him a, such a scintillating subject. It was a cold night in 1995 that age that Jason's big brother AJ got drunk and swapped in law Lois's car. Oh, Jason jumped into the passenger seat in order to prevent disaster, but struck. But disaster struck just the same when AJ ran his car into the offending tree. Jason was thrown from the car and suffered a gruesome head injury. Cousin Ned came upon the scene and quickly seized, sized up the situation. He collected a relatively unharmed AJ and delivered him into the care of Butler Reginald, called 911, and returned to Jason, who betrayed only the barest signs of life. Soon he was rushed to General Hospital and put under the care of Tony Jones. And we don't have to get into the rest of it, but there's actually a picture of a tree stump yeah. <laughs> in here. And then a couple of the footnotes says, 
always wear your seatbelt. And Tracy Quartermain says, unless you count the million or so brain cells he destroyed in the binge leading up to the crash, which I guess he's she's referring to AJ. AJ. That's the first time I've heard that it was Lois's car, though. Everything else is I car. know. But who knows? Can we see the title, please? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and I feel bad that I didn't read this last week with the gatehouse. Well, I didn't read, like, the entire... Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alan and Monica allowed, allow Brenda Barrett and Jasper Jacks to hold their wedding at the mansion in 1996. But just as Jax is walking Brenda down the aisle... Mm-hmm. Jax walked... Oh, after the wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sonny Corinthos comes through the front door with Jax's ex, Miranda Jameson. He was believed to have been dead when they. Oh, I remember that. It was yep. right in like the rotunda or the foyer. When the arrival of Miranda, Jax's father, John Jax, went to, into cardiac arrest, and Brenda and Jax's marriage proved to be invalid. Dun, dun, dun. Those spouses coming back from the dead always ruin things. Mm-hmm. Just stay dead. Come on. The Quartermains discovered their new family member, Emily Quartermain, had a drug addiction when Ned and Jax find Emily stoned, mm. attempting to jump off the roof of the mansion in April 1997. Let's not jump off roofs, Emily. No. In 1999, AJ discovered he was the father of Carly Benson's son, Michael. A custody battle between Jason and AJ follow. AJ decides to patch things up with Carly to please his grandfather, Edward, who is adamant about keeping the Quartermains together under one roof. AJ eventually wins Carly over and they marry in May of 1999. Did he really win her over? Um, At the mansion, much to the dismay of both Alan and Monica, Carly and Michael come to live with the Quartermains, but AJ finds it difficult to connect with the toddler who is closely bonded to Jason. Ultimately, Carly has an affair with Sonny Corinthos and becomes pregnant by him, and Jason leaves town. AJ agrees to pass the child Carly is carrying off as his own in order to get revenge on Jason for hiding Michael's paternity, but is still furious that the child is fathered by Sonny. Sonny eventually comes to claim the unborn child and blackmails AJ with his knowledge that AJ hired an arsonist to burn down Sonny's warehouse, also in an attempt to regain custody of Michael. Sonny then takes Carly and Michael to live with him at his penthouse away from the Quartermain mansion. So much blackmail. I know. Do we just like not know enough about people that we socialize I know. with? Or are they just not that bad? Because I cannot think of very many times that I've had information to blackmail someone. I can't think of any time that I've had information to blackmail somebody. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know of blackmailable <laughs> stuff because of you. <laughs> anyway, let's jump into that mo- new millennium. So the new millennium. In 2000, during a fight with AJ, a pregnant Carly Corinthos fell down the staircase just as Sonny Corinthos walks through the door to witness. Carly later miscarries her baby with Sonny. Edward makes a play to get an heir out of Alexis, Alexis Davis's unborn child, Christina. We discussed this in The Gatehouse. In 2004, Lila Quartermain passed away peacefully Aww. in her bedroom. Months after Lila's death, Edward found solace in Heather Ugh. Weber. Dumbest storyline ever. Ever. So bad. I feel like the alien sleeping with Anna was a better storyline than this. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just... And it, I mean, it was recast Edward also, so there's that. It's just bad all the way around. Yeah. And eventually comes to believe the mansion is being haunted by Lila's restless spirit. 
While multiple friends and family are trapped during a thunderstorm, Brooklyn with her teenage friends, Dylan, Georgie, Dylan Quartermain, Georgie Jones, and Sage Alcazar and Lucas Jones and Trent Parker attempt a seance to contact the spirit of Lila, who allegedly reveals that someone would die that night. Unbeknownst to them, a serial killer roamed the mansion and eventually stabbed Sage to death in the downstairs freezer when Trent was then Trent was killed with a gardening tool in the upstairs hallway. The killer was revealed to be Mary Bishop, whose true target was Emily Quartermain. Among the others trapped in the mansion were Alan Monica, Tracy, Heather, Max Scorpio, Felicia Scorpio, Justice Ward, Faith Roscoe, Nicholas Cassadine, and Emily Quartermain. I can't remember why they wanted to kill Emily. It was Mary Bishop. It was the one she wanted Nicholas. Oh, okay. Okay. Right? Sure. I can like see her face and see that storyline, but I don't remember the root of it. I thought it was, she was the widow of Connor Bishop. Oh, that looked like, he looked like. Yes. It looked Nicholas like Nicholas. looked like yes. Connor. Yes, 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 yes. Yep. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Brought it all back. Yep, yep. In 2005, A.J. Quartermain kidnapped his own son, Michael Corinthos, but instead of immediately leaving town, A.J. decided to return to Port Charles, where he hid out in the attic at the mansion. Alan discovered his son and grandson, so he agreed to help them. However, it soon became clear to Alan that A.J. wasn't thinking rationally. Things reached a climax when Jason tracked A.J. down at the mansion after A.J. shot Alan in the back AJ and Jason fought on the second floor of the mansion until both men went tumbling off of the staircase. Jason walked away with an injured arm while AJ ended up in the hospital paralyzed with a broken back. I mean, some of these remodels I understand. Yeah. Gotta secure that banister. I mean, I feel like they just need to put a baby gate at the top of the stairs because everyone but it wasn't keeps the stairs. Out. It was, I think that they broke through the banister. Oh, that would make sense. Hours later, AJ was presumed to be suffocated by Asher Thomas at General Hospital. In the months that followed, Jason, Sam McCall, Sonny Corinthos, and Reese Marshall begin to put the pieces together and realize that AJ hired Dr. Thomas to kill Jason in 1996, and that Dr. Thomas ultimately killed AJ. Meanwhile, Dr. Thomas steals a medevac helicopter from GH. I don't feel like those were that easy to steal, but okay. No, steal they don't the hospital, just leave the keys in them. Right? Like, I'm just going to borrow this. I'll bring it right back. Right? <laughs> um, steal Hot the wire helicopter, you know. helicopter from GH and makes his way to the Quartermain property where he lands, steals Edward's gun, and ties Alan to a chair, holding him and Monica at gunpoint. While Dr. Thomas is ordering Alan and Monica to get him out of town, Jason arrives and Dr. Thomas holds a knife to Monica's throat while he tries to convince Jason to kill Alan. Jason instead shoots Dr. Thomas in the heart, killing him. If you had <laughs> if you had a helicopter, why wouldn't you just keep traveling away? Also, where's the helipad? I mean, they have a large yard, so I they would feel like you could land it that. there. I don't think they have a helipad. I think he just landed in an open space. Okay. You don't have to have a helipad. You just have to have the space. I guess. Okay. I mean, the last time I stole a helicopter and landed it, <laughs> I didn't have a helipad. This is just ridiculous. In November 2006, the Quartermains allow Luke and Laura Spencer to remarry in a lavish ceremony in Lila's Rose Garden. Aww. However, the wedding was a sham as Luke was, in fact, already married to Tracy Quartermain. Oh, that's whenever we Laura need, was sick. I was going to say, yeah. Laura was sick. It wasn't necessarily a sham. It was... Uh, 
It was making her. She was in a mental state that right. she wasn't remembering that they were divorced, but knew that it was their 25th wedding anniversary. Yes. And he was letting her believe it and was giving her that. Right. It was like a gift to her mental health. Yes. Um, and I think that we covered it with Luke and Laura's marriage. Yes, yes. yes. I think. Uh, then in 2007, the town of Port Charles comes together to celebrate the life of Alan Quartermain at the Quartermain Mansion. In December 2010, Luke, Spencer, and Tracy Quartermain remarry in front of friends and family in the mansion's foyer. So many weddings. I know. In October of that year, Joe Scully Jr. was shot by Jason and made his way to the Quartermain Mansion, where he dies after naming Sonny as his killer to Tracy and his son, Trey Mitchell. Later that month, A.J. Quartermain was revealed to be alive and returned to hide out at the mansion with the help of Monica and Alice Gunderson. After he was almost discovered by Tracy, Alice rendered her unconscious and tied her up in the boathouse. I just love Alice. And then in November of 2012, Edward Quartermain passed away in his bedroom. That makes me sad. I remember that day. Why do we need to talk about sad things? I know. Let's let's get back to the murdering stuff, people. Exactly. Such a happier time. <laughs> in 2013, Franco Baldwin took residence at the Quartermains when he was believed when it was believed that he was twin brother of Jason Morgan. That was ten years ago. Oh my god. As it was also believed, Franco's daughter was Kiki Jerome, and her mother, Ava Jerome, came to live at the mansion, much to the annoyance Quartermain's annoyance. Kiki's boyfriend, Morgan Corinthos, also joins Kiki on the property when he moves into the boathouse. After it was proven that none of the above had any ties to the family, they were all evicted from the Quartermain premise. In 2014, Michael discovered that Sonny had killed AJ Quartermain and his mother had covered up the crime. Michael disowned Sonny and Carly, moved into the Quartermain mansion, and renamed himself Michael Quartermain. Michael eventually forgives his parents, but also fully embraced his Quartermain roots while running ELQ and continuing to live on the mansion property. In 2018, Nell Benson was gaslighting Carly Corinthos when Carly noticed the baby blanket Nell knitted was identical to the one Carly had for her son Michael Morgan as a baby. During a baby shower Monica was hosting for Nell, Carly decided to confront Nell on the Quartermain staircase. Nell proceeded to purposely fall down the stairs and told everyone that Carly tried to kill her and the baby. That was so annoying. Yeah. Did not miss Nell and her craziness. In February 2019, Sam tells Carly that Monica had to board up access to the roof because Danny kept playing on the roof with Annabelle the second. What? I don't remember that, but don't let your but kids play on the roof. But that's like one of those little things that it was probably just mentioned in passing. Like, that's oh, crazy. yeah. And no, tell your grandkid, get off the roof. You shouldn't have to go boarding up things, but whatever. It was Grandpa Allen. Ugh. It never was fully fixed after he collapsed it. Oh, okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm just making that up. I'm just straight making that up. <laughs> if your grandkid starts playing on your roof, I don't want to hear that you started boarding stuff up. First I of all, hear... that roof was almost 30 years old. It should have been replaced at this point. True. Anyway. There's that. <laughs> In April 2019, terminally ill Oscar Nero accepted Monica's invitation to move into the mansion so that he would be well cared for and surrounded by family in his final days. Oscar subsequently died in his bedroom beside his girlfriend, where the spirit of his great-grandparents, Edward and Lila, escorted him to the afterlife. And I loved that. It was so that... sad. It was so sad. 
By the way, his girlfriend was Joss. Right, right. I feel it's like, like that's just, very important. Just to some put random there. girl was sitting next no, to him. No, that was Joss. I mean, that was a very beautiful. It was. It was. Yeah. Um, and then Danny Morgan and Scout Kane have permanent rooms at the mansion and moved in with their grandmother, Monica, from October to December 2019 when their mom was serving time in Pentonville Penitentiary. And then in December of 2019, Monica has the mansion undergo another major renovation. Much to Tracy's dismay, the infrastructure appears to have drastically changed as the front door is now on the right side of the staircase. I still don't like it. I'm sorry. I know it's been I was going to say, years. I can't believe it's been four I years don't, already. I don't like it. Every time I see it, I'm like, that's not where the door goes. Right. And then during the 2020 Nurses Ball, Julie and Jerome broke into the mansion mansion chloroform monica and kidnapped wiley quartermain corinthos julian was being blackmailed by wiley's mother nell benson wasn't that his wife at the time yeah Ugh. hold it so Nell married julian and married shiloh yeah yeah okay. she's into them crazy men she's into the hey you're about to die soon so i'm gonna hook me up give me your money i think that's called a black widow anyway well that's someone who kills them or smart financial decisions Amanda. <laughs> Sorry. Ryan, if you need to change your beneficiary. Oh, he, has not, <laughs> he has not made it me. It is still I'm Matt kidding. and I complain all the time because I'm like, if I want to kill you, I get nothing out of this. And he just, nope. Do you know how the law works? Keeps Although this is Matt. funny. When my husband and I first moved in together, that was one of my kind of requirements. I was like, you need to get life insurance because if we are committing to each other and making this whatever, well, legally you cannot dictate who the beneficiary is. Right. If you're not, I was paying for it. <laughs> okay. He goes, make it my sister <gasps> because if something happened to him, they could really use the money. No, your new family could really use the money, darling. Yeah. He wasn't thinking about that. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When maybe, I, maybe the girl and the two kids that you're moving with? When I heard that my ex was getting divorced, that was like my first comment to him was, I hope you're putting me back as the beneficiary for everything. Sorry, but you got to be practical. I got your kids. He man. should put it into a trust for the kids. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Julian was being blackmailed by Wiley's mother, Nell Benson, and Wiley was later found in a cabin and returned to Michael safely. In 2021, with the threat of Nell gone, <laughs> she died. Mm-hmm. Michael and Willow amicably annul their marriage, and Willow moves into the gatehouse. We talked about this under the gatehouse. Blah, blah, blah. 
and May, Valentine Cassadine and his daughter Charlotte and Brooklyn's bodyguard Yuri move into the mansion so Valentine could be closer to Brooklyn and their baby. That was so I sweet. Know. That was so, he was such a good daddy. Yeah, while Peter August was still a threat. The next day, when an ill chase instead insisted on checking himself out against medical advice, Michael invited him to move into the mansion. After a miracle cure follows a deathbed wedding for Chase and Willow, Chase moves into the mansion to be with Willow and Wiley, who are also who are living at the gatehouse. Then why didn't he move into the gatehouse too? Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh. oh, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> As he is still in a wheelchair, he stays in the mansion where an elevator had been installed for installed years prior for Lila. <laughs> Guys, I really do research, but I also don't read all of this. Like, I really do look to see. I mean, it's a natural question. This... It was a natural question, and now they answer. But it. I go to see. Okay, how long is this write up? And then I do like a quick skim. Right. I don't go detail. That's good. It was uh, perfect. Uh, you asked a question, and we got the answer. <laughs> so we both went. Oh. In August, after learning that Willow had an affair with Michael, they separated, and Chase moved back into his apartment. In September 2021, Michael and Willow agree that Michael should be moving into the gatehouse. Uh huh. In June, Louise Jones is born. Yeah, she wouldn't have named August. Okay. In June, Louise Jones is born. Maxie gives her to Brooklyn to Wait protect her from second. Peter. And why isn't Maxie's last name West? And why do we still call Sasha Gilmore? I don't know. I don't know. Because both of their they had their husbands' last names, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. So why don't we call Maxie? I have no Maxi West. I have no idea. But Louise at that point still wouldn't have been Louise Jones. She would have been Louise August. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, in June, Louise no, Jones because before she had Louise, she found out that Peter was bad. That's right, why which is why Brooklyn, she gave right, to right, Brooklyn. Right, right. So she would never have been Louise West or Louise August. I I don't like that it's Jones still. Okay. Anyway, in June, Louise Jones is born. Maxie gives her to Brooklyn to protect her from Peter. And Brooklyn brings her home to the mansion as Bailey Louise Quartermain. Bailey Lois Lois Quartermain. Oh, really? She wasn't Louise at first? Okay. Bailey Lois Quartermain. To Valentine, thinking they are her parents. By November. To Maxie, she was Louise. Yep. But she was. All right. My brain just can't take it. To everybody else. Bailey Lois. BLQ too. Yes. By November, Valentine and Charlotte move out when Valentine learns he's not Bailey's father. That was hard. And an alive and rescued Drew Kane comes back to Port Charles and moves back in. Thank you for clarifying that he was alive and didn't like, move his dead body in. I very much appreciate that. In January 2022, Brooklyn and Bailey move out and into the Jack's Lake House rent-free with Chase due to Jax's longtime friendship with her mom, Lois Cirillo. After Bailey returned to her mother, Brooklyn moved back into the mansion. Mm-hmm. In August 2022, the Quartermains host a charity event to benefit the pediatric wing of GH. This will be the first <laughs> annual. The first picnic. <laughs> first annual. The first picnic. <laughs> In an attempt to bring Sam McCall and Dante Falconeri closer, Leo takes the opportunity to use his love potion on the guests and mixes it in several drinks. A fire starts on the grill when Drew Kane and Carly 
Benson? Why does it say Benson? It's Spencer now. <laughs> are in the boathouse. However, it I mean, at the time, she was still Corinthos. Okay. Yes. Anyway. They're in the boathouse. However, it was put out by Sonny Corinthos, Ava Jerome, and later stabbed by Heather Weber with a hook stolen from the boathouse. We didn't know it was Heather Weber at that time. No, we didn't. So It was just the hook. The hook. In April of 2023, with the looming mortality of her leukemia diagnosis and having just had another child together, Michael and Willow decide to get married again. The very day of, Tracy Quartermain returns, ready to set things to rights. In June of 2023, believing himself to be his 90s rock star persona, Eddie Main, following a head injury, Ned Quartermain sneaks out of the Savoy in an effort to be around the action and wanting to perform. He meets Nina, Michael, and Sonny, who knew him in the 90s, who mentioned investing in a business years ago. A friend, Ned's ex-wife, who co-ran L&B Records, managed a singer who is living the crazy life, a reference to Ricky Martin, ex-Miguel Morez, living La Vida Loca. That was such a good song. That was such a good Easter egg, though, too. Uh, like, that was such a nice yes. little nod. I love it. Eddie doesn't react to hearing about L&B or Lois and shocks the crowd by taking the stage to sing. Unfortunately, he collapsed and Sonny offers him a room at the penthouse. No, he didn't. He offered him a room in Stone's house. Yeah. Okay. His wife, Olivia Quartermain, shows up at the penthouse the next day sharing a photo album of his life, including his time as Eddie Main. He recognizes nothing, even Lois Cirillo, except his old guitar. On August 2nd, after making some headway between Eddie and the Quartermains, specifically befriending his son, Leo, Eddie moves back into the mansion. And I feel like that's really the last of everything that has happened directly in the mansion. Right. Um, But then the travel guide to Port Charles does kind of have a little breakdown of the rooms. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess Lucy did live there. Should know the breakdown. So the quarter main living room, and so like there's this whole tour that you know Lucy's taking you on in this book. Visiting the next location on our tour may require from some ingenuity or a sizable donation to General Hospital. The quarter main estate is one of the main epicenters of drama in the community. Mistress of the house, Monica, isn't known to open her arms to just anybody, except perhaps her sister-in-law's son, Ugh. then a strapping young tennis pro. So you'd best show up with a good excuse or a failing heart. Once you get inside, take a look in the living room, not for the chintzy decorating, but to steep in the history. It was here in 2012 that prodigal son AJ Quartermain reunited with Mommy Dearest after seven years of presumed death. In 2005, Wiley Monica revived AJ as he nearly perished at the hands of Dr. Asher Thomas. Since it looked like AJ was going to be sent to prison for shooting Alan and Kanak being Michael, Morgan, and Christina... Monica asked Steve to help fake AJ's death. Of course, just two years after AJ's triumphant return to Port Charles, he was dead yet again. And then there is an editor's note that says, this is saying a lot given that Port Charles has also been held ransom by upper crust English con artist who possessed the cure to a lethal strand of encephalitis, criminal mastermind Jerry Jacks. And then there's an editor's note that says, though not entirely substantiated, clues suggest psychiatrist Dr. Asher Thomas targeted AJ to escape ongoing backmail over an attempt made on Jason Morgan's life in 1996 while he languished in a coma. Unaware that AJ survived and was spirited away by his mother, 
Dr. Thomas used hypnosis to pin AJ's death on his own son, Michael. Just one of a multitude of reasons why Michael is such a mess, <laughs> says his great aunt Tracy. Lucy has this to say about the treatment of mental health in Port Charles. Gates gets a lot of things right. Psychiatric care is probably not one of them. <laughs> My ex-husband exception accepted. Wow. If you think you need therapy, you're better off picking up a hobby. <laughs> Maybe you should get a duck. <laughs> and then there's like an entire section on. Aww. So cute that they have everything. Over on the left. The quick and the quarter main. The Quartermain Mansion was bought by Alan, who always seemed to have too good a heart to be pure. Quartermain. Like, he had... Don't even. Don't even bring that up, that, like, he could not be 100% Quartermain. Three, that is, like, a storyline. He to blow up a boathouse and... Exactly. And... and caved in a roof of a house that he bought. <laughs> you knew that Shannon was going to go there. He tried <laughs> to cave in the house. Alan bought the house in 1977 as a gift for his bride, Monica, when he decided to take a job at General Hospital. After Alan and Monica moved in, the rest of the Qs heard what a great place Port Charles was, and like, I have no idea what that says. The Thneeds in the Lorax! The Thneeds! Th what are the Thneeds? The, in the Lorax, the knitting. Okay! Like, Do the Thneeds in the, the Lorax quickly came to town to build on their already large fortune. I've seen the Lorax like once or twice, but I don't know who the Thneeds are. The mansion has been the home to everyone from supermodel Brenda Barrett to loads of Spencers, Wards, Corinthoses, and of course, many, many Quartermains with a few Falconaries thrown in for flavor. Despite its numerous residents, Monica never lets anyone forget that the house is ultimately hers. Monica doesn't allow formal tours due to privacy concerns. She does allow limited viewing house and garden walks in support of the nurses ball. Mm -hmm. But that's literally once a year. Luckily for us, though, retired maid Alice Gunderson has agreed to give us an inside unofficial tour of the Q Mansion. I love this so much. I know. Even though he didn't build it, buy it, or even find it, it didn't take long for Edward Quartermain to appropriate the house. Edward seemed to want to run with other great American families like the Vanderbilts, the Ashers, the Kardashians. I don't think Edward knew who the Kardashians were, but okay. Yeah. No. So he went about creating a family estate synonymous with grandeur. I'll let Alice give you the full dish and maybe a few Grecian urns while she's at it. Also, the Kardashians are not in the same category as the Vanderbilts. Right. Like, Edward the is Kardashians very... The Kardashians are not generational wealth. No. Like, yeah. Like, maybe Kim's kids will be able to claim that because it'll have gone one, two, three. But like, they why are the not. Kennedys not mentioned? Right. Exactly. I feel like Edward was more wanting to be like the Kennedys than the Kardashians. Yeah. And the Thneeds are the things that are needed. They're the, they're what is needed. Because a Thneed is what is needed. You're I just Googled so that. so cute. She, no. like, knew this off by heart. I'm like, the need from no. the Lorax. My daughter, like, loved the Lorax because he speaks to the trees. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't one of my favorites. And Danny DeVito voiced him in the most recent cartoon. I'm sorry. The, the Lorax was not one of my favorites. Howdy, folks. Glad to hear you're visiting the most exciting city on the East Coast. If you're looking to really get the local flavor, there's no better place than my former home away from home, the Quartermain Mansion. 
When Mr. Q first saw the house, he told his son it reminded him of Monticello and gave his blessing to use the family money to buy the place. Edward's research shows some of the bricks were manufactured in the same place as Jefferson's home. Oh. Makes sense that the Jeffersons and the Quartermains would be connected in some way. Both fancied themselves inventors as well as political patriarchs. That's Thomas Jefferson just... Jefferson had his swivel chair and Mrs. Q had her relish. Aww. <laughs> the grand entry. The foyer is where more bombs have been dropped than in August at the multiplex. <laughs> <laughs> it features two huge bay windows. This was back in... The original. The, well, no, this is the one that was in the mid... Oh, the middle one. Not the current one. No. 2018 is when this book came out. Okay. God. I know. So it was like been... new. Remember when it came out? We were I like, know. oh, there's this new book. And we were doing stuff. What? It features two huge bay windows that drenched the room in natural light, all the better for dramatic entrances. Grand circular stairs are the centerpiece of the room and were sourced from cherry trees harvested from Mount Vernon itself. Oh, my gosh. I love the history that we give this stuff. <laughs> the round oak table in the center of the room is also said to have been acquired from the estate of George Washington. Nice. House staff are instructed to have at least six bouquets of hot house arrangements spread throughout the entry at all times. The flowers were to be changed as soon as they ceased to look fresh, and those stems wilted pretty fast by the amount of revelations witnessed. Some may... Some of my favorite overheard moments in this room were when Sunny Corinthos confronted Carly about the paternity of her baby and Sunny and Brenda's non-wedding. Nothing will make you feel better about your own life than knowing a supermodel was left waiting in the rain for a man who is clearly not coming. <laughs> oh, that's not nice. He's so That's so mean. Well... The living room. As mother always liked to say, the living room is the neck that holds up the head of the house. This notion is particularly true in the Q Mansion. Alan told me it was this room that convinced him to buy because when the realtor showed it to him, the light reflected in such a way that a rainbow stretched across the room. Hmm. He was poetic like that. Located off the foyer, the living room is anchored by two grand couches facing each other which i can only assume from personal experience ensures maximum potential for confrontation <laughs> <laughs> while they have been reupholstered many times the sofas themselves scream i'm not comfortable so you'll be forced to sit up straight a good <laughs> metaphor for the q family themselves and then the den if the foyer and living room are where the confrontation confrontations erupt the den is where plots are hatched and mis understandings multiply aided by the attached terrace which has the perfect acoustics for eavesdropping mm -hmm. the bookshelf against the wall is covered in pictures of all the quartermains my favorites are the ones of lila and edward from their mm -hmm. wedding day they looked at each other as though no one else existed there's also a full bar which is stocked solely with a soft drink with soft drinks and the cues several friends of bill the cues count several friends of bill amidst their ranks Bill is the person who started Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh, okay. His name is Bill Wilson, actually. And that's Amanda's maiden name. And is that why you know that? Uh-huh. And my, oh, dad, my, dad, my dad's name was William. So Bill Wilson. And so, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And then there's the kitchen, 
where Alice says, I can't provide a description of this room because no one but Cook 2 is allowed inside. Bad things happen to those who attempt to gain entry. And then the Grand Salon, like the dining room, this formal room is rarely used. It contains a Steinway baby grand piano, which has heard the arrangements of everyone from Emily Quartermain's amateur chopsticks to poor Charles' own master pianist, Catherine Delafield. And the library, I bet that's the solarium now. The library, right at the top of the steps, is the entrance to the library, one of the most underutilized rooms in the house, and therefore one of the best places for teenage shenanigans. If I had a penny for every time Dylan Quartermain snuck jo Georgie Jones up there, I'd have retired much sooner. The room features Renaissance and Baroque tapestries that I think Alan got at a yard sale at Windermere. Mm -hmm. Sure, because, you know, they were totally having yard sales yeah. at Windermere. Much like bookshelves in the den, the library is a room that has that is more about the appearance of knowledge than actual acquisition of it. AJ pretends to have memorized the complete works of William Shakespeare that his grandfather gave him for his 16th birthday, but I can tell you that he enjoyed acting out the morals of those plays rather than actually reading them. Lila was a sucker for a good romance novel, which she'd hide beneath the spines of Jane Austen or Emily Dickinson. Aww. So cute. The dining room, one of the loveliest yet least used rooms in the house, as most holiday meals end up taking place in the den. The room is mostly taken up by an antique oak table. When all its leaves are in place, it measures 25 feet long. Another thing that sold Alan on the house is the chandelier that hangs over the table. It's from Schoenbrunn's? Schoenbrunn? Schoenbrunn's? I don't know. A palace in Vienna where Marie Antoinette spent much of her childhood. A few months before his death, Alan Q commissioned Elizabeth Weber to paint a portrait of Marie to hang in the room. And then Lila's Rose Garden. I so want to see Lila's. I was going to say, and they still Rose. talk about yeah, it. Yes. It was Lila's favorite spot, and for good reason. It seemed to be the one place in that house that was always at peace. For a while, she had a policy, no talking, only pruning. But when residents like Tracy abound, such a policy can never last. Originally, the garden area was just a collection of weeds. But when his mother moved in, she sent for seeds from her friend, the queen at Buckingham Palace, oh. to create a royal garden using descendants of Queen Victoria's own plants. So coveted were her rose bushes that she donated several plants to the Port Charles Botany Society, or I'm sorry, Botanical Society, which today cultivates a Shakespearean garden in Lila's name. The mansion's gardeners still lovingly care for the bushes, and every year on Lila's birthday, they send cuttings as a gift to lucky Port Charles residents in the family's favor. We doing that? That's so sweet. I love Lila. Aww. And then Olivia's pumpkin patch. I Why did are not we know talking this. about this? I did not know Why this. is Leo not picking out his pumpkin? Right. Ugh. Ned Quartermain's wife did not like the look of tomatoes sold in town, so she decided to grow her own. What started as a few beefsteak stalks has turned into patches of basil, oregano, and pumpkins. She even has published a cookbook. Ooh! <gasps> what? <gasps> Inspired by her garden source creations, Falconary's No Fajoli. Where is this cookbook? Her mother-in-law, Tracy, was driven mad by this desecration of mother's peaceful pruning with this plebeian use of landscaping. Now, Lila would have been all for it. Seriously. 
Roman pool. Located to the right of the gardens and modeled after ancient Roman baths, the pool is tiled from ceiling to floor with images of Greek and Roman delights. Some staff members swear Alan replaced their likenesses with his own, but I don't (laughs) see it. That's funny. And the portrait gallery. The gallery is the room most people ask to see when visiting the estate. Located off the dining room, it's filled with pictures of family past and present, such as original matriarch Martha and patriarch Edgar Quartermain. The most notorious portrait includes a replica of one of Tracy and one of Edward that some people say actually talks. <gasps> do, do, do. Oh my gosh, that's weird. Lila and Edward's bedroom, much like the man himself, this room was kept clear of any nonsense. The room has remained its original hue of hunter green with wood trim for as long as I can remember. The only artwork in the room was one by Edward in a poker game. The subjects are all flower arrangements. After Lila's death, he told me that all knickknacks that served no function except sentimentality were to be removed where he'd never see them again. Mm. Besides the dresser that held the same pair of pants in four different colors is a giant oak bed modeled after the George Washington's. The enormous fireplace was barely used, but always bore a framed photo of Lila and Edward. Cook too told me that even after Edward's death, Monica has left the room untouched, proving that some things never change. No one wants to deal with his wrath, supernatural or otherwise. That's so sad. I know. Then Tracy's bedroom, which was just changed. Was that the room that she was moved away? Was that because of Willow and Wiley? Or oh, there was a there was just thing. A, well, no, because she came home. And someone said, I have your um, room now. And she's like, wait, what? Because remember, she went to her room. And she's like, that's not my room. What was it? Who was that? Was it Yuri? I don't think it was Yuri. Oh, okay. You know what I'm talking about, though. Yes, I was going to say, who was it? It would have to be Brooklyn, right? I don't know. Mm. You read. I'll Google and see if it pops up. So then Tracy's bedroom. The most modern room in the house. When she moved in, Tracy decided to cover all of the original fixtures to give her own spin. Tracy had a sound machine installed on all four corners of the room to continually play ocean sounds. When Luke moved in with her, a flat screen television was installed as well as a mini fridge. Since her departure, this room has doubled as a guest room. But then it became blah. Alan and Monica's bedroom, the master bedroom, this room was modeled after Doge's Palace in Venice, Italy, not California. California. The room is painted eggshell blue, and Monica has kept everything as the same as since Alan's death. As far as I know, his sweater vests are still hanging in the Aww. closet, waiting for him to wear them, which in this town is always possible. A Juliet balcony. Mm. I hate that that was written because Stuart Damon was alive. Mm-hmm. When that. Mm. A Juliet balcony overlooks Lila's rose garden and is perfect for late night reflections. And then there's the attic for the storage of old toys, clothing, and once, Laura Spencer. And I'll just keep going while you are looking up. There was a bit of trivia that talks mostly about the remodelings. Well, first, the residents. Various friends and family of the Quartermains have taken residence at the mansion over the years, including Alex Quartermain, Celia Quartermain, Don Winthrop, Drew Kane, Larry Ashton, Lucy Coe, Brenda Barrett, Karen Wexler, Justice Ward, Carly Spencer, Sky Chandler Quartermain, Lila Ray Alcazar, Georgie Jones, 
Luke Spencer, Lulu Spencer, Brooklyn Quatermain, Rebecca Shaw, Ethan Lovett, May Award, Anthony Sakara, Joe Scully Jr., Sabrina Santiago, Eduardo Santiago, Avery Jerome Crinthos, Sasha Gilmore, Nell Benson, Hayden Barnes, Danny Morgan, Scout Kane, Harrison Chase, Valentin Cassadine, Charlotte Cassadine, Yuri, and Bailey Jones. I feel like some of the stories mentioned with all these, some, like some of the stories are missing from what we just read. Right. With some of these uh, people. But then as part of the trivia, it does talk about the travel guide to Port Charles. Book revealed that the mansion's estate is surrounded by iron gates. Down the road from the entrance is the tree stump that we already talked about. So the 1990s renovations, the first renovations to the mansion was implemented under former executive producer Joseph Hardy, which was overseen by former GH art director Barry Williams. Probably not Greg Brady. No. He designed a large 75-foot-long, 30-foot-wide set and vivid color schemes in a spacious living room that opened onto a terrace. When Gloria Monty returned as executive producer in 1991, the decision was made to shrink the mansion back to its original size while keeping the elements of the redesign. However, in 2019, producer-designer Jennifer Elliott provided insight into the latest renovation into the mansion, we also had some space issues on our stage and shooting issues with the last configuration of the mansion because it had an upstage entry, which was really hard logistically to shoot characters arriving at the door. Why do I feel like it would be, I mean, I am 100% not even in this field at all, but I feel like shooting straight on would be easier than shooting at it. Right. But okay, whatever. It's just sort of a design flaw from many, many years ago. So my partner and I went back to the original drawings of the Quartermain Mansion and Foyer, which were a million years old. And we looked upon these old slides that had a picture of what it used to look like. We found the old blueprints. Wow. <laughs> we found the old blueprints and actually found that the original incarceration incarnation had a side entrance on one of the walls, which would make it easier for shooting. I'm just going to trust that obviously they know their job, right? You know, I'm not discounting that. I'm just, as a layperson, I would think straight on would be easier than at the side, but okay. Elliot went on to describe the iconic staircase as a sort of like another character. Jennifer Elliott went on to explain that the new set was the idea of General Hospital executive producer Frank Valentini when she spoke with Soap Opera Digest. Valentini also wanted to put some money, time, and effort into the family and their home. The original staircase was preserved, but simply moved in the new design. The show was able to locate the photos and blueprints from the original set, which they used in the redesign, but on a smaller scale to maximize stage space for other sets. The new Quartermain Mansion has a modern look with the focus on white, gold, and green-gray colors. The old wood paneling has been replaced with white walls and marble, although some wood remains. The staircase steps and railing, doors and fireplace mantle are all still wood. The staircase now has cheetah print runner, and the front door is to the right with the entrance to the living room on the left. Oh, maybe it has to do with the flow of the room, with the shooting of it. Maybe. I don't know. In the living room, the old couch and table are gone with a completely new layout and gray modern sofa and white upholstered chairs. Vases with flowers have also been added as accents and white side tables. New modern sleek bookcases line the walls along with framed pieces of art. Fans have already noticed that many family portraits seem to be missing, especially the ones on the new fireplace mantle. You can view the photos of the new mansion... It says here on soaps.com, but there's no link. So, sorry. And then there was another quote by Anna Lee in the scrapbook that talks about 
the renovation. And it says the renovation of our stately home was a thrill, but I confess to missing the old quarter main setting, which was a part of my life and Lila's for such a long time. So she's referencing how it sounds like they've gone back to Mm -hmm. 17 years. Goodness. I never dreamed I'd stay on general hospital this long. That old quarter main living room has many stories to tell. That is so sweet. Mm -hmm. I cannot find who it even mentions that she comes around Easter and says, why did Monica plant all those flowers? It looks like the Easter bunny threw up, but it does not tell me who's in her room. If you remember, let us know. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's it. So next week we are going to cover all the outside buildings that are around. I I think I like this first one, the crypt. What? Oh, but so join us on Monday and see if there's anything that's changed, I guess, to the quarter main mansion. Have a good weekend. And we'll meet at the pier. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's show, we invite you to go to pier54podcast.com to subscribe on your favorite platform. Don't forget to leave us a review. And you can also follow us on many social media channels. Just search for Pier 54 Podcast. Also, we are not perfect. So if there is something that we missed or messed up, just let us know by emailing us at peer54podcast at gmail.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 